welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. So uh, it was the week that we kind of dreaded. We are empty-handed um, from when we last spoke, Dom. Two two very different games in, in a lot of ways. So let's start with Norwich and pick that to pieces. And this is weird, isn't it? Because obviously Wednesday lost that game and it was a bit of a late collapse. But compared to some recent games... There were definitely positives to take from the Norwich match. Uh, there certainly was, yeah. I thought that the defensive organisation and the, the structure that Tony Pierce put in place um, for 80 minutes, I thought everything game plan-wise was working really well. And um, Of course, we're going to be biased, James, but the reality is at 1-0 that, you know, Wednesday should have had at least one penalty, at least one. Um, and not going to argue with Big Sam on the telly saying that, you know, he thought that, um, you know, Wednesday had two really good penalty shouts from Kadeem Harris and they did. And, uh, the game changing moments really aren't there as, as well as the, the Jerry Pelipesi opportunity. If Wednesday go two up, then uh, it's game over. Um, and, it would have been a you know fantastic win, um, but Rubber Green isn't going Wednesday's way at the moment, and um, and then yeah, two sloppy mistakes at the back at the end, uh, you know, it's cost them. And yeah, you know, we, we from Norwich, you know, I think people were relatively pleased with the performance they put in, and that they looked a threat on the counter attack. You know, that's what we could say about Wednesday. At, at Norwich and that, uh, you, you know, Josh Windass came back into the team, scored a lovely header, great cross from Adam Reach, uh, you know, who has probably been the bright spark, hasn't he, so far, certainly in an attacking sense since Tony Pierce's appointment. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I think we, we left uh, Carrowed empty-handed, or but at least feeling that, you know, what with the run of matches that Wednesday have got coming up, that, um, you know, if they carry on playing like that, then they should start to get some wins. Um, but uh, yeah, as of yet, that's not been the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned there about the penalty shouts and Joey Pelipesi chance, but it wasn't just that, was it? The, the Wednesday had plenty of chances in that in that second half. And um, it was, uh, you know, after getting the goal, it was still kind of same old story in terms of not taking those other chances and there were some really great opportunities to put that game to bed very unlucky with the penalty calls for whatever reason let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about fans then because firstly obviously you know the experience for you have been there with fans in the ground including almost some Wednesday fans um, in uh, in the hotel that overlooks it, who I believe got uh, got uh, removed at half time um, but uh, do, uh, how how much do you think the fact that there were fans in the stadium and all those fans were supporting one team ultimately influences the referee in those kind of situations? Because um, we'd like to think that referees are highly professional and not swayed by stuff like that. But you, you look at particularly the first one of those Kadeem Harris shouts and you're like, I, I just can't understand the logic in, in it not being given. Yeah, I, I at the time just thought that you know it looked a stonewall penalty to me, 
uh, on Kadeem Harris. Certainly the first one. The second one's more dubious. Um, on your point on the referee fans, could he have been swayed? 2,000 there. I don't actually think that came into it on Saturday. I think the fan effect, the fan impact came with Norwich's late rally. And I did, and I do think that we saw the power of having home fans there. That's, you know, you know and certainly when they got one, then their tails were up, the fans who were there. And, you know, it felt like there were more James than 2000, uh, in, in all honesty. You know, they, they did drive the team on. And and that's where it, it sounded like it, it. To be fair, it, it's tough, isn't it? That we don't know when Wednesday are going to have some fans back. You know, it's looking as if it could be twenty twenty one at this rate. And, and you, you go into places like Norwich. I'm trying to think of the upcoming away matches. I don't think there are any more. You know, with Forest and Blackburn um, to come. I don't think there's any teams that you know Wednesday play in the near future where there's going to be fans in the ground, um, certainly in this month. So, uh, unless they change the, the tier restrictions and everything, of course, um, you know, that remains to be seen. But, yeah, I, it was disappointing uh, for me, really, the manner of the goals that Wednesday you know, conceded when that's what Tony Pewis prides himself on. And, um, you know, I think it's been it's been a week, certainly, that a number of players will want to forget, and Liam Palmer would certainly fall into that category of where uh, you know, he, he lost his runner, didn't he, um, for the first goal. I think that, you know, Liam Palmer, um, you, you know, I know some people were pointing fingers at Joe Wildsmith, but I don't really think that Joe Wildsmith could have done much more for the first goal. I, I really point more of a blame at Liam Palmer there for switching off. Um, and similar on the other side for the winner, where Joe Van Aken, you know, you cut him slack for his play, playing out position and everything. Uh, but... Yeah, you know, could he, Adam Reach, could they've got tighter, could they've done more to close the ball down? It was a great move from Norwich's perspective. But yeah, you know, I think from from Wednesdays, it was tired legs, wasn't it, and tired minds. And, uh, you know, Norwich have got a lot of players out injured at the moment themselves, but you still look at the quality that they've got to call upon and that, that that's why they're one of the strongest sides in the division. I think the... I think my point with the the referee and the crowd is if those penalty shouts are for Norwich and you've got 2000 fans shouting at you do, does one of them get given like you know not not giving one the second one does the referee bow to pressure and give it I don't know but it it just it just feels like it's it's something to sulk about a little bit. Like it just we're we're a bit hard done to it. And I know there's you know there will be clubs, and we've heard managers talk about whether or not it's it's kind of fair to allow some clubs to have fans in the ground and some not to. Should it be all or none? You know we've we've got potentially. Um, I just looking at the fixtures there in January, Bournemouth away. Um, I've not checked, but I assume Bournemouth on the south coast will probably be tier two. Um, there is Coventry away before that, who are tier three at the moment. So probably nothing going until that 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 Bournemouth game. I don't know about Exeter, by the way, in the cup. I'm not sure about that, but I don't. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, so um, yeah, possibility there that within the next month we're looking at another game where. You've you've got fans in there, and and Bournemouth. It's another one of those stadiums. It's quite small. It's quite compact. It's a little bit perky. The fans are very much kind of you know kind of on top of the the pitch there, aren't they? Whether or not it does start to influence 
stuff. And I, I, I feel a little bit like I'm making excuses and maybe I am, but I, I kind of feel that we're justified in being a bit sulky about this and sort of say, hang on, it's not fair because it's always going to work against us because yeah. it's going to be a while before we come out of tier three in, in Sheffield. Or it feels like it's going to be a while before we come out of tier three in, in Sheffield. So we're not going to get that advantage of fans yeah. for a while. And no, it does, it feels it, the moment, it, it feels like everything is It makes a difference. Yeah. It feels like everything at the moment is going against Wednesday. And this is unfortunately what happens when you're down at the bottom, isn't it? That you don't get the yeah. breaks and Wednesday aren't. Uh, with refereeing decisions, uh, you know the discipline side. You know that's something that is in Wednesday's control, and they've got to, you know, clamp down and improve on that. We, you know, we've t- you know, discussed that at length. Uh, but yeah, I think there've been other moments and instances you could have pointed to this season where there's been that sense of injustice, and Wednesday, you know, can feel hard done by, and certainly in Norwich, that you know those are game changing moments. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the sort of um, breaks that you get when you're the home side and you're doing well at the top of the table, and and that's really what you know happened for Norwich, and you know where they you know they entered that. I think having only lost one of their previous eleven matches, and and this is it. You know, let's cast our mind back to um, the Carvalho years, James. I'm sure that you know we could, if you look back carefully, there would have been a lot of matches where Wednesday got. Uh, the rub of the green, it swings and roundabouts. Um, none of us like it, and you know we, we're hoping that things are going to start to fall for Wednesday. You know sooner rather than later, uh, and and they've got to make their own luck. And th- the way they do that is by performing consistently better. And you know, there's no getting away from it that how Wednesday can do so well at Norwich, the leaders on Saturday, and then perform as terribly as they did in that opening half an hour at Huddersfield, it's mind-boggling, baffling, and not good enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, let's, we'll move on to Huddersfield in a second. Before then, um, who who was kind of standout for you then at, at, at Norwich? Who particularly you know, stood out as, as putting a really good shift in? Well, this isn't a, sort of a standout performance, but I think, of course, the big talking point in the team selection was Dominic Iorfa for lining up in midfield for the first time. Yeah. Um, that was most unexpected. Uh, it lasted 55 minutes, to the experiment. Did it work? Not really for me. I, I know there's been a sort of clamour, hasn't there, James, you know, from some Wednesday nights on social media for that positional tweet to happen for some time as if they suddenly think that Dominic Iolfa by playing him in defensive midfield is going to become the next Carlton Palmer. Football doesn't work like that. Iolfa spent his entire career playing at the back and for me, Wednesday need him more there than they do in midfield where they're well stocked. It's actually the central midfield is the position of the team where they've got lots of numbers and they don't need another body there. It's at the back when they've got no shade Uncle, no Aidan Flynn. That's where they need the pace, the power, the athleticism that Iorfa brings to the party. And, and yeah, I thought he did okay. He did all right. And he might grow into that role. And to be honest with you, from what Tony Pierce was saying afterwards, James, the impression I got is that I don't think that'll be the last time that we're necessarily going to see Iorfa in midfield. He'd probably give him another run in there. But at the moment, I think Wednesday, you know, they, they need to 
stick with Iorfa in a settled position and that's got to be just across the back line for me. I, I agree with you on that. I think that we, uh, we're, we're maybe looking for some find of some some way of finding a Hutchinson replacement because that that person who is defensively minded who can cover the back four we said it of Sam Hutchinson many times when he played for Wednesday in terms of the fact that they're a rarity aren't they at this level those players that can do that job um you know that that well so you know maybe that is why there is this sort of feeling among well, it was interesting. And, you know, I've seen many conversations about it on Twitter. People saying that they they were actually quite positive about it, and I, I'm a little bit like you in terms of like I wasn't particularly. I, I certainly wasn't convinced that it had that it had worked. And uh, you know, when when push comes to shove, we lost the game. So you you can't. You, you know, it's, it's difficult to kind of reflect on something as a positive when actually you know we concede two goals and we and we uh, lose. But I I guess I can see the logic. Well, well, it was interesting, wasn't it, that um, you know Tony Pulis um, in his pre-match press conference last Friday um, referenced Sam Hutchinson, the personality Wednesday missing that type of figure in midfield, and then talking about the possibility of Liam Shaw filling that role maybe in the long term. For me, I don't see that. Um, you know, I think Liam Shaw has got a lot of potential, but he's got a long way to go to try and fill the boots of, of Sam Hutchinson and his all-round game that Hutchinson, uh, at the, you know, when he wasn't getting sent off and flying in for the ridiculous challenges and when he was at the peak of his powers, that, yeah, Wednesday don't have the Hutchinson figure in their team at the moment. Massimo Luongo is a different type of player and I think that actually, you know, we've seen that, you know, Luongo this season um, has been generally one of the better performance for Wednesday. Um, you know, and he had a really good spell, you know, before his injury. Um, and yeah, so I think Luongo being suspended for Norwich with the five bookings, it maybe forced Pewis's hand into trying something a bit different. And he was maybe trying to go to Norwich and bully them a bit in midfield. You put I offer in there alongside Patterson and he gives you that physicality, doesn't it? And so mate, I yeah. think there was Perhaps an element of that. I, I've I've always wondered whether or not um, <laughs> this this is going to sound like I'm whinging about him, and in a way, maybe I am. I, I've I, I've often wondered whether Van Aken might make a midfielder because he's quite confident on the ball and he can pick out a pass. He just you know at times he's just not that good at defending. So you kind of think, how did he end up being a defender? Like you know, could could he be a a midfielder? But again, I, he's not. He's not particularly strong, is he? He doesn't kind of jump out as being... He's a big lad, but he doesn't come across as being particularly kind of physical. So, again, kind of, you know, square peg, round hole. And this and, and this is a, a, an ongoing problem, isn't it? The fact that particularly when we've got these injuries, whatever we do, we are forcing players into roles that are, are not um, natural for them. Tony Pulley seems to have this thing about central defenders and playing them in places that aren't central defence, though, doesn't he? Like, you know, playing I offer in midfield. And he's always had this thing about playing centre-halves as full-backs, hasn't he? Which I... It's kind of strange, but you know we saw it for the first time on um, the other night against Huddersfield, where you've kind of got that back four of centre backs, which he seems to like. The squad's unbalanced, James. I, I think he, you know, deep down wants to play a back four, uh, and that's what he changed as soon as he took over from Gary Monk. 
he ditched the back five and he was wanting to go with a back four and he's having to play Van Aken at left back um, as he doesn't think that they've got a recognised senior left back and they haven't on the books. Um, and this is where it comes back to the recruitment in the summer and that has been getting heavily criticised um, in recent weeks. The recruitment was based on building a team to fit in with Gary Monk's um, system of three-five-two, and so Wednesday weren't they didn't bring full-backs in, did they? They brought centre halves in um, and midfielders, and we thought that there would be enough quality up front. Um, and now that they've abandoned that and they're going to a back four, um, they, they at the moment they don't have the personnel to to play the um, pewish ball. Um, yeah, and, and so. I don't actually think the recruitment was muddled in the summer in the sense that they were actually trying to give Gary Monk the tools um, for what he was trying to create. Um, but now we're left in a situation where there's been the change in management and we're almost back to square one. And what we're going to find in the next window and the summer window is that Tony Pewis is going to recruit players to fit into his style, his brand of football. Um, but right now, what we need to see is... Um, them showing more ambition, showing more. I, I, and this is where I don't mind them. I, I understand um, trying to frustrate and you're containing Norwich. You've got that array of attacking talent and they've got loads of quality. Um, but then this is where when you move on to Huddersfield and you just look at that starting team and what they went with, to just be so negative um, and so cautious and show Huddersfield that much respect as if Huddersfield are absolute world beaters when they're just a mediocre mid-table side. It, I, I, I just find it utterly bizarre. I don't know if it shows. I'm 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 desperately trying to like postpone and delay moving on to Huddersfield because I just don't really want to talk about it. I'm thinking, can we just fill up the pod and then we're like, oh, if we run out of time, we don't need to talk about Huddersfield. Um, I think it's probably about four years, maybe five years, maybe, since I first had a rant on a podcast about Wednesday's lack of plan when it comes to recruitment. And I'm going to I'm going to say it again, and I'm not going to rant about it, but just this idea of, well, just bringing players that match the manager's system, and then if the manager leaves, then it falls to bits, is the single worst way of running a football club and running recruitment. It just doesn't make sense. And, I, I you know, I, I don't... Whatever his reasons are, Sheffield Wednesday are absolutely in the wrong to not have a director of football or sporting director who um, sets that policy from on high. So the manager comes in to fit in within the system that the club wants to play. And therefore the recruitment and the manager, everything matches that system. And we'll just keep repeating this cycle. We'll keep wasting money on players. Um, and, you know, the chairman wants to keep putting his arguments forward as to why it's wrong to have a director of football. Sorry, nonsense. Absolute garbage. We need that system to be set from the top not to be set by the manager and therefore recruitment matches that because when the manager leaves, we end up with players that are of absolutely no use to the system that we're going to play and it doesn't make sense and it's a waste of money. To so, add another, right, yeah, finished, to, to add another, no, 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 do you know what? I'm going to build on your point, James, and just go that um, there was one team that I watched last night who um, brought in a new manager in the summer who have got a clear identity a clear philosophy 
uh, and a clear way of playing, building from the back, possession-based football, and uh, teams will try to then press them high, and then when they beat the press, they're then in on your your defence. And, you know, it's three on twos, four on threes, uh, and it's quick passes. And Carlos Corbran, disciple of Marcelo Bielsa, you can just see it in everything they do. Wednesday's plan, what was it last night? What was it? It, 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 to me, the only thing I could put it down to was this. It looked as if they set up to play 5-4-1 and Tony Pulis, he, he has so little faith in the attacking options that he's got at his disposal right now, believes that the best approach is to try and keep a clean sheet, keep things tight and solid at the back and then let's see if we can nick a goal on the break from a set piece or from a bit of individual brilliance, we might win 1-0 and we're going to just grind out results between now and January. The problem with all this, James, is that when you're not winning, you're not getting the points from the board. Um, the brand of football does not look good. Yeah, I was sat next to a neutral last night, you know, a journalist who hasn't seen Sheffield Wednesday in months and he couldn't believe how poor Wednesday were on the eye. And so when you've then gone six matches without a win under Tony Pulis, um, and you're still bottom of the table. That gap between them and the relegation zone could widen in the time we're recording this right now, James. Um, they can't do anything about it until January in the transfer window. That's still another five matches away. You can understand where the frustration is and coming from with the fan base and why there are some alarm bells out there and grave concerns that you know Wednesday right now they're in serious risk of getting cut to drift absolutely and and um you know I think everyone you know t- Tony Pulis has come in it's not been a good start has it you know it, it's uh, you know three draws three defeats from six games not very many goals not very much in terms of attacking intent I haven't I, I, I've not added up how many shots it is but you know it, you can count them that's how few it is it, it's it's been pretty miserable and you, you know, we, we've all kind of been saying this sort of like, well, you know, he's got to find out, you know, the strengths and stuff within the team. And it's like, I'm concerned that fans' patience will run out before it even particularly starts because, you know, three points from six games is relegation form in itself. We we are, you know, we started on minus six. We were already in the relegation zone when he came in. Like, you know, we're now bottom of the table again. It, it's worse than it was a month ago. Um, what I'm going to say, James, I'm going to butt the, in. And what I'm going to say, though. The, the, the problem, hang on a sec. The, and, and you know, we've got this really depressing factor that, that you know, it, will, it was such a negative performance and that's against Huddersfield. And, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Huddersfield, but we've got another three teams coming up who are, you know, similar in terms of the fact that, you know, we would class them as being winnable games. When we're setting up with pretty much 10 people behind the ball, we're playing so deep, we're playing so negatively. What, like, what chance have we got? You know, we could be, you know, um, de facto relegated by Christmas in terms of the fact that it doesn't really matter who we're bringing in January. If we've lost, we've just not got any points from those games. It could be over. What I am going to say uh, in Tony Pulis' defence is that when you look at the six matches so far, um, four of them have been away from home uh, and they have played a number of the top teams. Reading, 
Norwich, yeah. Swansea. So, uh, you know, expectations wise, uh, it was, everyone knew that this was going to be a tough period and that, um, the fixtures haven't been kind on paper. And then when you throw in the sendings off, the stupid sendings off of Josh Windass yeah. and Preston yeah. and Liam Shaw, you know, I, I think, you know, if Liam Shaw doesn't get sent off against Reading, I, I think Wednesday might have gone on to win that. Uh, I, you know, if Josh Windass hadn't got sent off at Preston, there's every chance with the way they set up there and Preston's miserable home form going to it, I think they could have maybe got a result. So they should, ha- they probably should have had more points on the board, without a doubt. Um, where I'm getting really worried myself, James, is that wh- I, I keep coming back to it, that when you look at in this calendar year, what is it? I think it's seven wins that Wednesday... Of manage, and I'm pretty sure I saw a stat that from the last 40 matches, Wednesday have lost it was either 22 or 23 of those matches. So the rot has set in, the losing culture is there. It's how Wednesday break this cycle, and realistically, there's now less than 30 matches left. Wednesday've got to win at least a third of them to stay up, and it's a tall tall order and I keep coming back to it I really do think that this is the toughest job of Tony Pulis's managerial career and he's been a manager for 28 years and had a number of clubs but that just underlines the size of the task I I, yeah I get that I think all right, I think the reason I'm frustrated here is that we we were kind of sold the idea of Tony Pulis coming in like neither me or you were particularly you know, we we were enthusiastic about Tony Pulis coming in, but there was a all right. Well, you know, he'll do what he needs to do to get to get the results. But when the results don't come, then you kind of think, you know, the football's pretty pretty abysmal to watch. Like, you know, the games aren't aren't overly exciting. All right, th- there were some good moments against Norwich. Got to got to be fair and balanced about it. But then that's that's absolutely that's not just leveled out. That's surpassed by just how bad it was. Then against. Huddersfield. Do you think? I mean, what what is the benefit from this? What is the point of of of, of that? You know, playing you know, really defensive football and still losing games. I, I don't get what the positive is anymore. And and you know, it needs to. The acid test now comes, and we you know we big this up last week in terms of how important it was. One of those games is 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 down now, but there's another three games coming up, and then and and then um, Blackburn. On Boxing Day, you'd have to say is, is is certainly not a foregone conclusion. Like Wednesday, should be able to think we can go to Blackburn and, and at least get a result, if not win that game. Um, I really don't feel particularly confident that you know that we'll be sat here a week from now having anything other than the same conversation again. And and that you know I I, I I'm here to be proven wrong, but it's I really yeah, hope I, I think this season been some there's been some tough things this season but it's like I, I just don't know I, I don't I, I'm struggling to see a light at the end of the tunnel now other than all right we might bring in some players in January and it might get better but we might be cut off by that to me that they have to from somewhere find more belief and confidence in their ability and We've seen with these players that there are some good individuals in this squad um, and it's consistency levels, that's what's been lacking and, and why Wednesday have gone backwards in the last few years. But they, they had, I, you know, could it be one result and then 
they did go on a run. You know, I think that's what it's going to take, isn't it, at this rate? Uh, you know, that Wednesday are going to have to put three or four wins together to give themselves a fighting chance of staying up. They're going to have to do that at some point this season. Uh, um, and, you know, it's been a long time since Wednesday managed that. You know, it's been, what, 12 months, you know, probably since last December under Gary Monk when they won three or four, you know, on the bounce in the league. And so, um, yeah, we're trying to find positives when at the moment there's just a lot of negativity, isn't there? Um, and uh, there's there's apathy around the place and people are genuinely fed up and uh, I, I get it. And um, it, it's just, for me, they've, they've, they've got to, especially in the two home matches coming up, they've got to show some more attacking purpose and adventure. Uh, and this is where, the omission still of Izzy Brown not getting an opportunity to show what he's capable of. Um, uh, you know, I, I find it a little bit odd, really, that you know, after what Barry Bannon and Pereira, you know, no other player in the championship created more chances than Izzy Brown last season. And, and where are Wednesday short right now is goals. Um, they need flair. They need some imagination in that final third. And Izzy Brown is... You know, when you look at the roster, it is one of the few who might be able to bring that bit of spark, bit of class yep. that Wednesday need right now. It's it's hard to see the justification for him not to come into the team, isn't it, on Saturday? Because it's like what we've been doing hasn't been working, and I, I see that you know Tony Pulis has tried to not change the team that much um, from game to game, but. It, it, you know, we've just lost two in the row. Now you've got to change things because what what you were doing just wasn't working. It wasn't getting us anywhere. Um, you know, Izzy, Izzy Brown in in a very average Luton team last season. You know, played an absolutely pivotal role in keeping them up. Can't I can't quite say he single handedly kept them up, but you know, he created a lot of goals last season. You look at it, and it just feels so glaring, doesn't it? Wednesday are struggling to create chances. They need some creativity. You've got a player there that's 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 oozing it, and and even it's not like he's gone off the boil. What we saw of him this season before he picked up the injury was really promising. Uh, yeah, I thought so. That you know showed uh, you know glimpses of what he could do. He hasn't really done it. Uh, you know, in the matches and minutes that he's had coming off the bench, uh, you know, since he returned from injury. But yeah, you know, I'd like to see what he could do over an hour. You know, whether he could have a big impact on this team and get them, you know, moving up up the pitch and uh, you know maybe give them that bit of unpredictability that I think they are lacking definitely, um, as well as. As confidence, um, but you know, I, I think one of um, the big comments that for me, Tony Pulis, you know, said, I think it was after the Norwich match, was where you know he slated the substitutions that he made that they came on, and he d- and he didn't feel as if they had an influence at all, and and then he only made the one change, which was the obvious one that he was going to bring Massimo Luongo back, who, by the way, I'm not sure that he's fully fit. I'm I'm concerned maybe. That might be to do with the knee injury that's, um, you know, troubled him for some time. You know, we'll have to see how he goes on over the coming weeks with a busy schedule and everything. Um, but yeah, there's that reluctance, it seems, to be to, to turn to the fringe players or the squad players. And we've seen it, you know, Fizeu Delebishiru, he's not had a match. Matt Penny's just been an unused substitute on the bench. Jordan Rhodes came on at the end. Huddersfield should have scored. Uh, with the chance he had, he would have done probably seven, eight years ago in his pomp. 
Um, but yeah, these guys, it seems to me right now that Tony Pillars doesn't have much faith in the backup players in the squad. And he's talked about the strength and depth and how he's concerned. And that's what he's going to look to improve in January. Not just the starting eleven by upgrading the quality, but just generally he doesn't think that it seems to me that this squad is strong enough. Well, we'll we'll get on to chatting about the games in the week ahead in a in a moment. Just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors, Wednesday Bet. Uh, if you've not done this yet, download the app. Just go to your app store, search for Wednesday Bet, and you can win a thousand pounds. And it's quite good fun as well. You just answer some questions. Uh, we did it earlier in the season. We'll do it again over the next few weeks. Uh, you answer some questions ahead of the uh, ahead of the game, and uh, you can win yourself some uh, some money, which is is brilliant. They are lovely people as well, so uh, that's well worth getting involved in. And also, title loss listeners, we've had Ollie on the podcast uh, a couple of times. Um, he knows his stuff about football. He knows his stuff from a legal perspective as well. Um, you can find um, Title Law either on Twitter at Title Law or on the website titolaw.co.uk. Right, games ahead for Wednesday this week. Um, we've got. Barnsley at home, we've got Forest away. Forest have not made a greatest of starts. They are playing tonight as we record this podcast, but they're away at Norwich. So you're going to think they might struggle to get a result there. So so Forest could well be within reach for Wednesday um, or certainly like not pulled too far away from uh, Wednesday. Barnsley have been topsy-turvy. I mean, that probably sums Barnsley up, isn't it? They've been yo-yo in terms of the championship for seasons. And certainly this season, they seem to have got to this pattern of you know maybe win one, lose one, win one, lose one win a couple, lose a couple, it's, it's been really up and down. I don't know what to say about these games other than just, you know, they, they, they're just must-win games. I cannot, I just cannot get across how important they are. They are, they're huge. Um, you know, Wednesday, they certainly need the bare minimum of one win. Um, and Barnsley, under their new manager, they've actually picked up, you know, some pretty good results. Uh, you know, I think they've won five of of his seven matches in charge, so it's not going to be a gimme. And you look at you know, some of um, the forward players that Barnes have got in, Caldy Woodrow and Chapley, and I think they've got some you know, decent players you know, at the top end of the pitch. And so Wednesday, Wednesday going to have to be wary of them. Um, and the same really with Forrest. You know, Forrest are the big underachievers this year, you know, with the amount of players that they've signed. And you, you still look at their team and think that you know, it's criminal that they're down where they are. Um, and, you know, they've just, they've struggled and there hasn't really been the new manager bounce for them since Chris Houston's gone in. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Forrest will be looking at that and thinking, you know, it's must win for, for them too. And, and Barnsley are going to be thinking the same. So the, there's, there's pressure, the pressure is mounting. Um, and, uh, you know, for Wednesday, they, they, they have, they've got to dig out as well. And, and, uh, I, I won't care if they put, nine men behind the ball and they get the job done on Saturday uh, and next Tuesday, James, I won't. Um, you know, it needs most. Um, yeah, yeah, I know we talked before about it, it's the style when um, pewest ball of when you're not getting the results, um, that's when, uh, you know, it's just not pretty, it's not attractive and it's rather functional. Um, but yeah, but Wednesday right now, 
it, it's it's results driven business, and, and Boyd Wednesday need some results. They need some wins. They need some confidence, uh, and they, they need to uh, you know, stay in touching distance of their relegation rivals. I, I think most fans would would echo uh, me saying right now. I just could not give two hoots how we play in these two games, right? It, it just doesn't... I just don't think it matters. We are at that point where if... Uh, nightmare scenario of us sitting here a week from now and Wednesday not not getting anything or even maybe just getting a point, it, it is just not... It's not good enough. You know, we will not play Barnsley at home again this season. We only play them once. Like, we can't think, oh, well, we lost it this time, but we'll win it next time. It's like, it's dangerous, dangerous ground if we don't get results in... For me, it's got to be both these games. I, I'm not even sure that three points from this week is going to be enough, but it's better than... It's better than... Um, better than none or one, you know. We, we've just got to find a way of, of doing it and... I'm not sure there's any other way of saying that now. I think it's uh, uh, the the proof's going to be in the pudding. The players have got to go out and do the talking on the pitch. No way around that. That's you know, it's it's coming to a head. They've got to do it. Yeah, James. You know what? Um, when all said and done, uh, you know we keep uh, pointing the finger at managers and the book stops with them. Uh, you know the team selection and, and um, finding the right approach for the players to try and get results, but. But yeah, you know, the players, they owe everyone a big performance after Huddersfield. That, you know, that debacle, that, uh, only half an hour was, I think, for me, um, the worst since Rotherham. So I, I'd put it uh, just behind that in the worst we've seen this season, without a doubt. Um, it was truly dreadful. Um, and yeah, um, fans not being there to spur them on for big Yorkshire Derby. Um, that's where you know it, it's unfortunate. You know the, the team needs the fans behind them more than ever right now. Um, but but they, they need to give the fans you know, even watching at home. They just need to give the fans more to shout about and um, show more courage and conviction in going forward and taking it to the opposition. I'm sure that Tony Pulis is not wanting them to be as defensive as what they are, but. It's confidence and it's probably nerves. Uh, and, and we saw that, you know, at, at Norwich, after going ahead, um, yeah, they had the penalty shouts, but they retreated more. They got too deep. They invited Norwich onto them. And that's what happens when things are going against you. Um, and so Wednesday, they've got a, to, only then, only Wednesday, the players, only they can get themselves out of the hole that they've dug themselves in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, the players have got to come up with the business. You, they're, they're not they're not terrible footballers. They're not being asked to do anything that they haven't already done or uh, are well versed in in doing. Um, and now is the time to go and do it because heaven forbid we're sitting here in a week and uh, and we've not we've not picked up some points. Uh, right, that um, rather uh, gloomy summary of, uh, of the last seven days and uh, rather you know daunting prospect of the week ahead will bring us to a close. You can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott. You can contact the show at Dom and James. Thank you again to our goal partners, title law solicitors and Wednesday Bet. If you uh, like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and see you next week. <laughs> 